No, he was talking about hymnology, and I, this has nothing to do with my message. You can turn to Colossians 1 while I'm talking. But uh, I was actually, it's funny how God does things, and talking about hymns and stuff, that's kind of something that I'm kind of passionate about. And, and uh, I heard a story about a man named John Newton. He was a slave owner. I think it was Tennessee is where he was from. It was a, t- a Tennessee slave owner, and I'm, I may have the, the state wrong, but... I know that he was very harsh. He was a very harsh slave owner, uh, very, very mean and very, uh, uh, <clears throat> pretty terrible person, in other words. And uh, there were several times that people would witness to him, and they would go to him, and they'd say, hey, you need to get saved. And he would always tell them, there's no way that, somebody, that God could save somebody like me. Well, eventually, John Newton did get saved, and... Uh, he, he was the one that penned Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saves a wretch like me. And, it's, and when you go looking at the hymns, that's the stories that you find of the individuals. That's what part of the problem, and it's not all of it, that I have with contemporary Christian music is the individuals, many of the individuals don't even claim to be Christians. And they're supposedly singing Christian songs. And I just, I can't get behind it when you got men like John Newton that wrote that have a history and talk about the grace of God in their own lives, I, I just I just would rather listen to that personally. Y'all can do what you will with it. I, I, I really believe in uh, Jeremiah where it says uh, stick to the old paths. I, I'm pretty happy with that. I, I'm okay with that. I don't need anything new. I don't need anything of the times. But uh, Colossians chapter 1. Colossians is uh, another one of my favorite books. If you was here this morning, we talked about that. I have many favorite books. But I really enjoy the book of Colossians. Uh, every book, if you go through it, they have a main theme or a main point. And, a, and before anybody wants to argue, yes, the entire Bible is about Jesus Christ. We can agree with that 100%. But if you go to the book of James, you will find that it's the test and the trials that, that go into the spiritual life. That is your theme. If you go to Philippians, you will find that it's a submissive mind is the theme or the, where it says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Well, I find Colossians, Christ is the preeminence, is the entire theme of the entire book. And it's a fantastic book. And I, I've done a, quite a bit of studying in this first chapter. I've preached this several times now. My dad, my poor dad, this will be the third time he's heard it. You guys just got to stop following me around. But in verse number 9 of Colossians chapter 1 is where we're going to start reading. It says, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you might walk worthy of the Lord and all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power, and all patience, and long suffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you this day, God. I thank you for many blessings. God, I thank you for the opportunity to preach today, Lord, and I thank you for those that are here. And uh, I just pray that you'll bless those that were faithful to your house today, God. I pray that you'll give us a word from you. God, I pray that you'll speak to our hearts, Lord. I pray that it won't be me that's speaking, God, but you that's speaking through me. In Jesus' name I ask, amen. I love this passage. Uh, this passage I'd, I'd been thinking about, and 
we had a big conference go through our church, and we call it the, the August Conference or the Spring River Bible Conference. Uh, Pastor Sousley actually came to the Tuesday morning service with me, and uh, before the service had started, I'd already planned on teaching the teenage boys at Friendship through Colossians. It was already kind of my plan. I've always liked the book. I just wanted to really study it. And I love teaching because it really makes me sit down and study and really get into the Word and understand everything that's going on. And it keeps me accountable. And Well, I, I was going through this and I was prepping for it and I came to this passage and it talks about that you might walk worthy. And that's a very interesting statement that Paul made because a lot of times we have a lot of Christians that we argue about what does a worthy walk look like. As you go from different denomination to denomination, you'll see all of these different ideas and all of these different standards, if you will. And there's always the added personal standard of, uh, that's separate from Bible. And I, I don't want to argue with anybody's personal standard. That's not my, my position or my place. I'm not getting at that. But I find some things in here that describes walking worthy and it's worth noting that colossians the the colossian church paul's never visited them he 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 doesn't know these people individually he's given them a broad uh a broad uh overview of this is what it looks like to walk worthy but you have to take into consideration that there's a lot of false teachers in the Colossians. They were, they were using big words like uh, knowledge and wisdom. The, the only way to be spiritual is to add knowledge to yourself. The only way to be spiritual is to have wisdom. And the, they were adding these things. And we see that Paul squashes that in verse 9. But he says, for this cause, for this cause, the first thing that we have to establish is we need to know, we want to walk worthy. We want to be Christians that walk worthy, but why? For what cause? What's the point? Why is, it a, why is it necessary that we walk worthy? Well, if you look up above it, it talks about a man named Epaphras. We don't know for a fact, but there's a good chance that this is the pastor of the Colossian church. I, I'm not here to argue that point, but it, we're not, we don't want to walk worthy for the pastor's sake. I mean, we love our pastors, correct? It's nothing against the pastor, but I don't, I don't live this life based upon men or man, right? I believe it's talking about verse uh, 5. For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof ye heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel. The first thing is there's a worthy cause. Who's the hope? When we talk about the hope, what the, the whole point of this book is Christ is preeminent, right? Christ is the hope of glory. And if it wasn't for Christ, there's no hope for me. If it wasn't for Christ and, and what Christ did on Calvary's tree, there was no hope for my eternity. I had no access to God before Him. He is my cause. He's the reason that I do all that I do. But what was Christ's cause when He was on earth? Christ's cause was to see sinners saved. Christ came to earth to die so that others could, go, could have uh, entrance into heaven and our sins could be covered so that we could spend eternity with Him. When Adam sinned in the garden, there was a separation and a, a dying spiritually that happened and a, 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 a separation from God and man that we could not communicate with Him, we could not be with Him. But because of what Christ did, He's paved a way that we can all see Him and we can be with Him and stay with Him for an eternity. But when, when you look at Christ, His whole point of coming was not that He could save the ones that looked good. He didn't come to save those that had it all figured out. What did the Pharisees say that he would, 
he, he, would, uh, he was Jesus' friend of sinners. Jesus said, I came to seek and to save that which was lost. Do you know what happens when a Christian individual has a worthy walk? It goes along with what Brother Sousley was saying. When, you be, when you're being faithful and walking worthy through these steps that we're about to go through, and you're, and you're walking worthy, you build a testimony. Over time, you build a testimony because a testimony takes time to build. It takes an instant to destroy, but it takes time to build over, uh, over years of being in your place and doing what you're supposed to do and, and serving God wholeheartedly over a period of time. They, you build a testimony and a report of those around you as a faithful individual. When the world looks at you, your testimony may be the only Bible that anyone will ever read. That's the number one cause. Christ came to save the sinners from a devil's hell. That was why he came to earth. There's a beautiful picture in the book of Ruth that talks about the kinsman redeemer. It actually explains why Christ had to come and be a man, had to be kin to man to fulfill the law. It's a beautiful picture. But he was here to save sinners. I live a worthy life. I I live a life that is pleasing and honoring to God, not based on others around me necessarily. It's based on Christ. But by basing my walk on Christ, others around me become blessed. The sinners in this world is when I go to Walmart and my family looks different and I look different and there's something different about me when I go to work and I, had, I behave a different way and I act a different way and I carry myself a different way based upon what Christ has done for me and what Christ has told me to do. They see Christ through me. That's a, that's a worthy cause. But we see heaven's cause in verse 5. It says, For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven... I think we get heaven wrong. Everybody, when they talk about heaven, they talk about, boy, I'm going to walk the streets of gold, and I'm going to have a mansion. Well, the mansion's actually a tent separated right next to, inside the Father's tent. That's what a mansion is in the Bible times. That's pretty interesting, ain't it? But you know what's more, more interesting than the, 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 the pearly gates and the, the, the gold that's so useless that we walk on it? I'm going to see Christ face to face. I'm going to see Him face to face as He is. He says, I will be like Him and I will see Him for what He is. And I will walk with Him for all eternity. But you know what happens in heaven when I, before I get there? I'm going to have to go to the judgment seat of Christ. And I'm going to have to come before Him and he's, I'm going to have to answer for why I did what I did. I won't answer for my sin because His blood's covered it. But my motives... And the reason I did what I did is going to either be wood, hay, and stubble, or it's going to be gold and precious stones. I walk worthy, not because I want everybody around me to notice it, but I want him to notice it. I walk a worthy life because I'm interested in when I get, get to heaven and I stand before my maker and I stand before the one with the scars in his hand and the scars in his side and I can take the crowns that I've won and I can put them at his feet and say, here you go, Savior. Here you go, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And I can walk away from it. And he can get all the glory for it. That's why we walk worthy. That's a worthy cause. It ain't about me. I am, I am nothing. I am nobody. 
The last Sunday when I preached, we talked about uh, Mephibosheth and how he was crippled from a fall. I've been crippled by a fall. I'm useless to God. I have no, I have no prophet. I have no, nothing good that I can bring to Him. The words cause. He says, that, Where have ye heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel? In verse 5. The word's cause is the, the gospel is preached. When you read the Bible, we find that it revolves around the gospel. The Old Testament points to the one that will come, and the New Testament past the gospels points back to the one that did come. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Christ. We don't walk worthy based on those around us and those opinions of, the, of, our, of our fellow church members and our fellow brethren, uh, brothers and sisters in Christ. We do it based upon Christ. It's all about Christ. But what does a worthy walk look like? So we've, un we, we, we've understood and, we, and we've come to the point that we've decided that, hey, there is a worthy cause. We understand that Christ is the cause. Christ is the whole reason for what we're doing. What does a worthy walk look like? That ye might walk worthy of the Lord, verse 10, unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work. Being fruitful. You'll find, and I mentioned it already, if you go to the book of James, there's a lot of things that talk about bearing fruit. It talks about well, working out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And I don't, I'm not saying that you, you don't get saved by the works that you've done. But when something as big as God moves into your life and your heart, something's going to come out. Faith without works is dead, the Bible says. If you believe that Christ saved you, if you have faith that Christ saved you, there's something going to come out. Why do we have baptism? Directly following salvation. That is the first act or the first work that you will do to prove that, hey, I am standing with Christ. I identify with Christ. Uh, 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 buried with Him in baptism, raised again to walk in the newness of life. In the book of Ephesians, it equates it to the old man or the old garment, if you will. The, the putting on of the old and then the taking it off and the putting on the new garment. With that new garment becomes a new nature. There comes fruit that comes from your life. A worthy walk will have fruit. What is the fruit of the Spirit? God's Spirit, not your spirit, not your saved spirit. The Holy Spirit that lives inside of you is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, and against such there is no law. And I've said it almost every time that I've preached here. Almost every time. Why is that so important? If you don't have those in your life, you need to check your salvation. Or you need to check where you are spiritually because something is spiritually wrong. Those are evident in a Christian's life. 100% of the time, a saved individual will be a loving individual. They will be a caring individual. Love, they will be a happy individual. Joy, peace, they will be a peaceful individual. They're not that individual coming in the church that's backbiting and that's gossiping and wanting to fight everybody for no apparent reason. That's not a Christian. That's not how a Christian's supposed to act. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering. I don't know exactly. There's a difference in my mind between patience and long-suffering. I have not done a word study on this. I need to. I believe patience is being able to handle a situation for a long period of time without getting angry or losing my cool. I believe long-suffering has to do with individuals. I could be wrong. You can check me. If Brother Sousley says different, then he's right, I'm wrong. Long-suffering is individuals. I can handle 
someone mistreating me, abusing me for a long period of time without lashing out. That's a picture of salvation. That's a picture or a fruit of salvation. Gentleness. That's pretty, that's pretty common. Husbands, how they treat their wives. Gently. Gentlemen. Acting a certain way. We're not eager to fight one another because we have a disagreement in the business meeting. Gentleness. Goodness. Natural goodness. The uh, people around can tell a Christian by how good they are. They're good to them. They're, they're, they, just, they have something different about them. Meekness, not prideful. What does God hate? A proud look. We're not prideful. What else? Gentle, uh, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Temperance is, is being able to control yourself, not gluttony. It is calm. It's not, it's not outbursts. That's fruit. But with the, the fruit, what about the, the physical things? How many, how many people have you brought to church recently? Do you have any desire? What's the Great Commission? That we go into all the world and seeking, seeking to save that which was lost, right? We're to go into all the world and preach the gospel. That's our job. That's what we're called to do. How many have you reached lately? How many have you even attempted? It is not on you to save someone. That's all God. It is on you to take the gospel to them. How many times have you done that recently? And I know this gets in the wheelhouse, and this can be kind of harsh, but, I, but, but this is the Bible. We're talking about bearing fruit here. Walking worthy, a worthy walk is going to bear some fruit. Show me your fruit. Soul search yourself. Where's your fruit? I'm not, I don't want to browbeat anybody. That's not my place. But that's, this, is what the, this is what we're discussing. A worthy walk. A worthy walk will be a fruitful walk. Next we see, in verse 10, he says, Being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. I have a frustration here, Brother Sousley. There's many times in churches I like to talk about the Bible. I love it. I like to sit down with people, and I like to talk Bible. I don't want to argue Bible. I want to talk about it. I just want to talk back and forth about how good God has been. What does his word say? Let's discuss this. Hey, if I mess this up, let's, you know, let's, this little back and forth candor about the Bible. I love that. Most people can't do it because most people don't know it. You can't go up to somebody and talk about something that... <clears throat> If you go to the book of Philippians, you know, if I go to the book of Philippians, because it's fresh on my mind, chapter 2, and I talk about how there's a difference between unity and uniformity, and you can find it in verses 1 through around 9, I believe. I can have conversations with that with certain people, and they'll know right what I'm talking about. And they'll know right where I'm at, because they know it. We've studied it. You know, it's important to us, because it's important to me to know what my God is telling me through His Word. And I like to discuss it with other individuals. But some people you go up to and talk about, there's a difference between unity and uniformity in the Bible. In, in Philippians chapter 2, what's, what's the difference between unity and uniformity? What's, the, what's, what's that even have to do with the Bible? What's that have to do with God? Well, it has a lot to do with God. It has a lot to do with how your church is supposed to function. A lot to do with it. We're supposed to be unified. We're supposed to be of one mind, of one heart. Let it, let it, 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 Paul said it, it is his joy that we would be of one heart and one mind. 
not striving for vain glory. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, that it's not about us. That's what the Bible says. Most people don't even know what I'm talking about. And it's really sad because Philippians is one of the easiest books. And that's just a simple thing. Like, or you could go to the, the Old Testament and talk about the Israelites and how they were, they were slaves to Egypt and they, the, the, all of the, the plagues and all of those things. You can't, most people don't even know what happened. But they may know the story, but they don't know the spiritual application. Why? Because we have a lot of Christians that have not increased themselves in knowledge of God's word and what God's done for them. They don't know, it. They don't know the Bible. A lot of Christians, we show up to church and we, 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 we look the part and we act the part and we know how to act, we know what to say to look good. But when we get here, what do we have? We, whatever the preacher brought is all we're going to learn. And that, it's proven that only 10% of what I'm going to say today is going to stick until next week. I bet you that if I open my notes and I ask questions from last week, most of y'all wouldn't remember what I taught about. And that's no offense. I'm not being, I, that's, that's humans, that's normal. But that's why it's important that we gain knowledge on our own time. A preacher can say something and that can be like, ooh, that's cool, that's a neat nugget, but it's not personal to me. It's not as personal as when I open it and God says, hey, look at this. Ooh, light bulb. That's personal now. Because I, I found, God spoke that directly to my heart. I, and I'm increasing my knowledge based on what God is showing me through his word. That's how you walk worthy. That's not, a, that's not a, a, a request. That's not a, well, you should do this. No, you want to walk worthy? You have to do this. The, in Second Peter, the Bible talks about how if you're not adding to your faith virtue and knowledge, it basically says that you can forget that you were ever saved. This is important. Reading your Bible and studying the Word of God is important. You're not going to have a worthy walk if you don't know how to walk the worthy walk. You're not going to have the, the sanctification that comes from God's Word. This, the Bible says that God's Word is a cleaning Word. It, it cleanses your soul. It sanctifies you. You can't do that without opening the Bible and reading it. If you want to walk worthy, you're going to have to increase in knowledge. We see a strengthened walk. In verse 11, he says, Strengthened with all might. In the book of James, and I've, I've preached here out of James, I, I love James, I always go back to James, but there's a lot of other places. You can look at the book of Job. But in the book of James where it talks about counting it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, the word temptations means trials, and you've heard me say this. He says count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, for the trying of your faith worketh patience, and patience when it hath her perfect work, Bringeth perfection. If you want to walk worthy, you're going to have to walk some rough road. In the military, to strengthen us, we would have to work out. It wasn't really work out. We would call it smoking. It was actually pretty awful. But that's what they would do. And then they would put rucksacks on our back and, hey, we're going to walk for 10, 12 miles for no apparent reason just to do it so that you're strong. That's what we did to strengthen us. A lot of Christians at the first inconvenience, they're done. The first trial that you go through that God didn't just take away for, for you, done. Not interested. God, 
Why would God let me go through something so awful? Because the trying of your faith worketh patience. It strengthens you. And not only that, when you add, I've got children. As your children grow, they mature. And as they mature, they strengthen. My son gets a little stronger every time I wrestle with him. He does. It punches me a little bit harder every single time. It gets kind of, it's getting close. We're getting to the point where we're about to have to stop this game. But as your children grow and mature, they grow in strength. There's always been a difference, and I've always known that there's a difference between boy strength and man strength. Even as a teenage boy, will not compare to a man of his 20s or 30s because it's just, it's just not the same. Your body is matured in different ways. We've got a lot of Christians that, Paul, as Paul said, I desire to give you the sincere meat of the word, but I can't because you're babes, so I have to feed you with milk. You're not going to strengthen if you're not increasing in knowledge. If you're not growing spiritually, you're not going to strengthen. But we've got a lot of Christians that aren't allowing that to happen. We've got, we got a country full of Christians that are just interested in sitting in a pew and saying, Hey, feed me today, pastor. Feed me today, preacher. They won't open their Bible. They won't grow spiritually. And then they wonder, well, why, does, why is life so hard? Why is God allowing me to go through all these things? He's trying to grow you, but you're bucking the system is the problem. Strengthen. A worthy walk will be a strengthening walk. <clears throat> oh, sorry. Sorry about that. And then he says in verse 11, unto all patience. I kind of talked about this already. A worthy walk will be a patient walk. I can think of a lot of things to go with patience. I can think of a lot of things to go with patience. Patience with your children. Patience with your spouse. Patience with your pastor. We're all humans. I get irritated with my pastor. I'm sure somebody else gets irritated with his pastor. No offense, Brother Southley. You're awesome. I'm sure nobody ever gets irritated at you. But we're humans. Patience. Patience with situation. Understanding, hey, I don't have all the answers to this. I'm probably just not going to blow up about it because I really don't, I don't know what's going on. And quite frankly, it's none of my business. So I'm going to be patient and allow this situation or whatever to happen. Patience. A worthy walk will be a patient walk, not lashing out, not, not jumping to conclusions. Long-suffering. I, I really have meant to go and study these two words out. Every time I think to do it, I get sidetracked and I forget or I get on some kind of tangent on something else. But I'm going to go do a study on the word patience and long-suffering because I really truly believe that long-suffering is being able to bear either a persecution from an individual on yourself or being able to, to, to suffer being persecuted by other people, basically, is what I think it is. Long-suffering, able to suffer long. But that's what a worthy walk will look like. I think of when uh, Peter said, how many times should I turn the cheek talking to Jesus? And he said, seven times 70. That's what I think of. <clears throat> but he, it doesn't say with, he doesn't say just and long-suffering, but he says with joyfulness. A worthy walk is going to be a joyful walk. A walk that is not, well, pastor, I'm here. 
praise God that you're here. Thank the Lord. You know, praise the Lord. I mean, you're laughing, but it's the truth. It is the truth. It's, did God save you? Do you not have the same grace that I've experienced? Do you understand that we have, we have been giving something that not a one of us deserve if you've accepted Christ this morning? Not one of you deserve that. If everything went wrong in this life, this is the worst that I'm ever going to experience because when it's over, the gold is going to be so useless that I'm going to walk on it with Christ, with the one who saved me. I don't have to. I'm no longer bound to the world. I'm no longer bound to my sin. I'm no longer bound to my flesh. The, the, the list of things that, that I've done wrong probably could fit in multiple warehouses and still not be able to hold all of it. But God, when, it, when His Son died for my sin, he, he took all of that balance and debts that I owed and He put it on Christ and it's gone from me. It's cast as far as the east is from the west. But we come in and we're not joyful we're not the next thing he says is thankful in the very beginning of the next verse i believe it's verse 12 yeah giving thanks i made a mistake here one time i preached a message out of thessalonians i believe it's chapter 5 where it says in all things giving thanks and i stood up one day and i preached and I said, the Bible doesn't say that you're supposed to give thanks for all things, but in all things. And then I got in Ephesians. And I recognized that the Bible says that for all things, through all things, and in all things, I am to be thankful. Huh. That's kind of rough. It's hard to be thankful for pain. It'd be hard to be thankful for something like cancer. It'd be hard to be thankful for surgery. That's tough. I've listed out these things, and we're quickly running out of time. I'm trying to hurry. I've listed out all these things. How are you doing? I'm not doing very good. I, I don't always have the fruit of the Spirit right. I struggle with that sometimes. I can be an angry individual sometimes. still struggle with it. I'm not always patient. I'm not always long-suffering, especially at work when I work with certain individuals and they come at me sideways and then my immediate wannabe reaction is to turn sideways and go right back. That's my personality. That's just how I am. But I know that I'm wrong. I'm not always joyful. I come in and I'm exhausted sometimes. I may not have a smile on my face. I may have to really work at being joyful and I may not be thankful all the time. A lot of times I'm not. <clears throat> I said this morning... And I've said it uh, several times the past two weeks. Words are important in the Bible. Because in verse 12, it talk, when it's talking about giving thanks, it says, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet. Meet is the Greek word hikanu. It means to render fit or to make sufficient. I've noticed something in Christian circles. And I'm not, I'm not pointing at anybody here. If God convicts you of anything, it's not from me, it's from him. I, I'm not pointing at anybody. This isn't coming from this church. But I have noticed that we have a lot of Christians across America that show up, they look good. A lot of second-generation Christians, I've watched, I've watched Christianity, I've watched Baptist churches my entire life. 
I know what to say, I know what to do, and I know how to act to fake the part. I show up in my spot and I look good, but in here I'm dirty, rotten to the core. Could care less about what God wants. Just like what we talked about this morning, I'm just here because I have to be here. Just to uphold a position or uphold a a look or a a testimony, if you will, of being in my place. I know how to do that. And I may have all of these things for the most part to what the visual eye is. I may have all of that figured out. I I may be able to walk worthy and make it look right. But what this Bible is telling me here, it's not me that walks worthy. It's God. It's Christ. Because of what Christ did for me, He hath made me meet. I don't know about you, but my righteousness is still as filthy rags. My, there in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. I can walk all of these things, and I might be able to do a pretty good job. But if it's not for Christ working through me, if it's not for the Holy Spirit working in my life, if I'm not increasing in knowledge and God sanctifying me through His Word, and it's true walk, convicted walk, conviction that I, I'm doing this based upon faith and upon what God wants for me, it's a false walk. It's not real. Because it's all about Christ. We talked about the worthy cause, right? That's why we do these things. There's a lot of people that don't do that based upon that cause. They do it based upon, hey, look how good this makes me look. This makes the pastor talk about me from the pulpit. Hey, this, this might get me a position to do, you name it. It's about Christ. It is for Christ. It is through Christ. Hey, this is, I could preach this a whole other way. Here we go. Outlining it right here on the fly. It is for Christ. And it is through Christ that I have a worthy walk. It's not about me. It's not, it's not about how good I look. Because I can fake it. I could, I could stand up here and look good. I could, I could act a certain way in front of people. And we all can. We all know what to say. We all know how to act. But a true worthy walk is going to be based upon Christ. Because He hath made me meet. That's why it says giving thanks unto the Father. It says, giving thanks to the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Who's, what, what inheritance are we getting? We're inheriting eternal life because of Christ, right? We're joint heirs with him, is what the Bible says. It says, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness? Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness? Christ. And hath translated us. What's translated mean? Changing the citizenship of. It's not translating as in translating a word. It's citizenship going from Satan's kingdom or the world's kingdom to God's kingdom. Paul talks a lot about it in chapter 3 of Philippians. He says that this, this is not his home. His, his conversation is not of this world. The, the word translates to citizenship. It's not here. Why is my citizenship not here? It's because of Christ, right? He says that translated us into the kingdom of his dear son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. 
We went through this list. And it sounds a lot like, in a lot of ways, it sounds a lot like the law. The do's, the don'ts, do this, do that, do the, don't do this. And you know what I'm talking about. There's thousands of them. You can't meet it all on your own. You can't. The Bible says in the New Testament that the law was there to teach us the, that we cannot attain salvation on our own. That's all it's for. And I, I'm not quoting the verse correctly, but that's what it's talking about. Christ died for us so that we can walk a worthy walk. Here's the thing. If you're not saved today, you're not going to walk worthy. You, you can't. If you've not accepted Christ as your Savior, I'm not talking about baptism. I'm not talking about a good deed that you did. You can help as many people across the road as you want, and it's still not going to save you. Because your worthy walk, your goodness, it's not good enough. Your righteousness is the same as mine. The Bible says that it is filthy rags, for the wages of sin is death. Hey, there's that verse I was looking for this morning. For the wages of sin is death, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's two judgments. The judgment seat, we talked about that already, that I will be tried on my motives. But there's also the great white throne of judgment. The Bible says they will be tried on their works. And if you find at the great white throne of judgment, they all go to hell because of their works. Your works, I'm not interested in getting judged on my works. I'm interested in getting judged on the blood of Christ. When Christ looks at me, he doesn't see Justin in his flawed state, in his fleshly, sinful self. He sees the blood of Christ because I've been covered by the blood. I want to see Christians that walk worthy. These standards that the Bible gives us, I agree with every one of them. I think this is how we should look. I think this is how we should act. But I don't think it should be based upon pride or arrogance of what others may see us. I want it to be based upon Christ. About the one who redeemed us. Just like he's talking about. The one that translated us. That's what I want to see in our churches. And that's the point of this message this morning. He lays it out for us. He gives these steps, if you will. Have you met those correctly? Are you doing them in Christ? Or is it upon your own self? Are you doing it to look good for others? Or are you doing it for the right causes? Only you can answer that between you and God. I can't answer it for you. But I'm fixing to close up. Would you just soul search this morning? First off, know for a fact that you're saved. Know for a fact that you're on your way to heaven. But make sure you're walking worthy through Christ and not in and of yourself based upon you and what you want and your desire. It's all based on Him. He is the cause. He is the reason for everything. Let's stand. Heads bowed, eyes closed. <clears throat>